So, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7, reading from the new uh, NLT, New Living Translation. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. This message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've heard your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. Verse 3. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you fall and turn back to me and the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I, I want to speak to you on the subject, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation, the revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that the Lord of our God, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened in Jesus' name that we may know. Amen. This book of Revelations, uh, when I was growing up, it was the spooky book. It was the book to be avoided. Uh, you know, dragons and a woman on a white horse and lions and tigers and bear, aha. And, and yet, I got this revelation recently that the book is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a book that tells us what Jesus looks like, who he is. So it's not a book to be feared. It's a book to be embraced. Are you with me? Um, and one of the things I want to talk to you about as we, this is a very pivotal season, not only in this church, but in all of your lives and our lives, because not only are we going into a new year, 2020, but we're going into a new decade, a new season. And um, when we look at this uh, text, if you can put up the map, so you can know that um, this is where Ephesus is. And, and uh, this letter was written by the Apostle John. He is the last apostle left 
alive who originally walked with Jesus. He is the only one who died what they considered a natural death, I believe. And he is on an island called Patmos. He is in basically, uh, at best, at worst, solitary confinement and for preaching the gospel. And he's sending a letter to seven churches that's to be read as the Lord Jesus has revealed to him the condition of those churches. These are not symbols. These are not metaphors. These are actual churches. Are you following me so far? And so the first church he ministers or he sends a letter to is a church at Ephesus. And Ephesus uh, Ephesus is actually, we could almost substitute the, the uh, city of Ephesus, which is in Turkey. Uh, we can almost substitute that for Cambridge, Massachusetts. Because Ephesus was considered the gateway of Asia. A gateway means that it's a, it's a city that, like Boston is a gateway city and, and New York is a gateway city. What that means is that you can leave from our city and go to another country. For example, Pastor Rob, he cannot fly from Johnson City to Europe. Okay, it's a, if you've ever been in that airport, Lord, it's a small airport. Uh, but it's not a gateway city. Ephesus is a gateway city because it was actually a major trade route. It was considered not only the gateway to, to Asia, but it was one of the most wealthiest cities in, uh, in Asia Minor. They, it was a city that held one of the seven wonders of the world. That is the temple of Artemis or the temple of um, Diana. And you may say, so, okay, you know, what made it like Cambridge? Well, the interesting thing is that the, um, the goddess Artemis, uh, she is the goddess of fertility. She is the goddess of fruitfulness. She's the goddess of, of uh, results. And, and she, these were idols. These were images. And how many of us are hustling constantly after producing? No, you got to produce. We don't, we don't care who you are. We care what you do. And sadly, people will not even talk to you unless you do something that they consider of worth. We have turned each other from human beings into human doings. We look at our kids, and unless they bring home real, real good grades, all of a sudden our love fluctuates for our children. And they're wondering, do you love me because of who I am, or do you love me simply because of my grades? Mm. Then there's, then there's, <laughs> then there's uh, Diana. I, I, I was about to say dirty Diana. <laughs> there is the goddess Diana. And she is the goddess of the hunt. She's the goddess of the hunt. And, and how, Lord, all you have to do is go to Kendall Square or to Harvard Square or the university and everybody is hunting. Everybody's trying to make it happen. Everybody's trying to, this hustle and bustle. Lord have mercy. Uh, uh, all you have to, every once in a while, I have the honor and privilege of riding the tea during rush hour. Mm. 
And, and if you've ever been on the, on the red line during rush hour, when the doors open up and people are packed in like sardines and they look at you and they say, I know you're not getting on this train. And you look at them as like, I know I am. Can I get a witness? And if you don't let me on, I'm going to pull you out, okay? Anyways, that's the Christian version. Uh, but I want to talk about three things. Revelation, the revelation, the restoration, and the rules. The revelation, the restoration, and the rules. I know the children have to be released quickly, so let me do this quickly. Um, so the word revelation, and actually uh, the word revelation means Re means back. Veil and shun means the process. So re, re violation, for example, replay, play it back. Revelation means pull the veil or the process, shun, shun. The process of pulling a veil back. It is a revelation of pulling a veil back so that you can see Jesus. See how he really is. And so you, 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 we need to understand that we can't understand. That's why Paul, he preaches and he, he prays for the church at Ephesus about the fact that he wants the, that God will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can pull things back, back and see who God is. Now you need to understand the interesting thing about, about, um, this book of Revelation is that it's written by the Apostle John. Are you following me? In other words, uh, and, and this is this is some, something, just give me three extra minutes for the kids. This has struck me because the Lord was saying to me, okay, we know that John was considered the closest to Jesus. Are you following me? Uh, he laid on Jesus' breast. Okay. And this, this, and so you have this man who, who was there when Jesus died and Jesus ascended. This is like 80 AD after death, 30 years. Then the book of Revelation was written approximately somewhere around 90 AD to 95 AD. So that's 65 years. So John has a revelation of who Jesus is when he's a young man in his 20s and then 65 years later he has a revelation of Jesus but it's quite different he's not laying on Jesus' breast like he was before in Revelation 65 years he meets the same Jesus and he falls down on the ground like a dead man saying oh my goodness because he's not the little carpenter now he is a guy who has a, you know, the double edged sword coming out of his mouth are you following me so far? And, and so you have not only that, but you have this church in Ephesus that is, it is a powerful church. It is a church that the Apostle Paul, it is said the Apostle Paul spent his longest stay at Ephesus. It was his most successful church. Um, he wrote a letter to this church at Ephesus. And, and yet 30 years or 35 years later, there's another letter coming to the church that says, yes, you've been steady, but there's some things I have against you. And so, again, God is always given revelations 
of who he is that needs to be updated. And some of you, and I'm going to talk to some of you young people, particularly those of you in Sunday school, you have the same view of Jesus when you were in preschool, like nursery three years old, and now you're 15, 16, and your revelation of Jesus has not changed. He's still the storybook Jesus. You need a revelation. He is always revealing who he is in a different way. So, for example, Nia, what is this? It's an apple, okay? You can come up here that way, because people downstairs want to hear you. So this is what? An apple. Okay, very good. And what color is the apple? Red. Red. Okay, I'm not deep. Okay. Uh, what is this? An apple. It is. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's an apple. It is not an apple because what color is it? It's green. It's green? Okay, green. Green, yellow? Yellow, yellow. Let's say yellow, okay? So how can it be an apple if it's yellow? There are multiple different types of apples. Ooh, ooh. Multiple. We know whose child she is. Not many multiple. Okay. What's in there? I don't know. What do you mean don't know? Walk over something. So you can't you can't see it. Okay. Okay, thank you. So sit sit, sit back over there. Jesus says something very powerful. And this is why you must pray that prayer, God, reveal to me what I don't see. Because Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 20, the kingdom of God does not come through observation, but revelation. And we're trying to observe our way through life. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to get in the presence of God so that I can show you things that you don't see. They are unseen realities. We are, what does that mean? In other words, these lights are on because we see the effects of electricity. But we don't see electricity. And if you don't think electricity exists as an unseen reality, put your finger in a socket and we'll find you. <laughs> you will be dancing. <laughs> So I got news for you. I'm going to pull this back because God's doing a new thing. That's why you got to have your. That's why you have to have your eyes open. I'm going to pull this veil back because we need the hand of the Lord to pull the veil back, and you'll discover that there is an apple in here. You liked that one, didn't you? Isaiah 43, around 16 verses, God says, I'm doing a new thing. And some of you, God is saying, I'm doing a completely new thing. 
but you're fighting over this. When God wants to give you this. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you. You cannot go into a new decade with an old mentality. You need a revelation, not an observation. My goodness, I'm going to have to let the children go. Could all the children stand just for a moment? Freeze where you are. Freeze where you are. Children, just stand. Children, just stand wherever you are. Stand, just stand. Don't move, just stand. I want you right now, just for 30 seconds, those of you in this room, could you just point your hands towards a child who's standing? And just for 30 seconds, I want you to pray and pray over them. Just 30 seconds right now that they will receive. There's a whole lot of them in the balcony. Point your hand in the balcony. Bless them. Open their eyes and understanding. Use their teachers to minister the word of the Lord. Father, we pray that the Lord, again, that the Lord of God, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto every child the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes and the understanding of their hearts be enlightened so that they would know exactly what you're teaching them in the word of God through their, through your vessels, their teachers, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. No, keep the apples. Oh, no, you can't keep that. I got one more thing for you. Let me see. Gift card for you. Now, we, God speaks through revelation, not observation. And the revelation that we have got to catch as people of God, are you with me so far? Is that what is the revelation of Jesus Christ? The revelation of Jesus Christ is this, God is love. First John chapter four, chapter four, verse seven and eight says, God is love. We need a new revelation in this church of what the love of God is. Because he says here, and I believe he's speaking to our church, he's saying, I got something, you, you, you know, this is a church that church is based on truth, it's a church that loves the word, but he says, I have something against you, and that is, you don't love me or each other the way you used to. Mm. There's something wrong with your vertical relationship with me. And there's something wrong with your horizontal relationship with each other. Jesus died on a cross, not a pole. I said Jesus died on a cross, not a pole. In other words, many of us, it's like it's just me and Jesus and to Hades with everybody else. No, we need to have a strong vertical relationship. We also need to have a strong horizontal relationship. Because Jesus says these words, because Jesus is always a rule breaker. Are you hearing me? He is always given a new revelation. So the first revelation was you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you hearing me? This is not 
this is not a theoretical discussion. Are you hearing me? This is what Jesus insists on. He said, you used to say, love your neighbor as yourself. But I am breaking that rule and setting up a new one. And the new one is John 13, verse 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And you would say, well, what does that mean? Jesus says, I die for you. That's the kind of love I need in this church. God says it this way, or Jesus says it, or one of the apostles says it. I know it's in the Bible. My body is saying that it's five o'clock, but that's all right. <laughs> he says, how can you love God? Am I in the book? Who you haven't seen. And you can't love your brother or your sister who you do see. Love is not an option. How do we know it was an option? Because Jesus says, you have heard. He's a rule breaker. You have heard. Love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I'm making up a new rule. Love your enemy. <laughs> we can't even love people in the church. The mission of our church. Could you put that up? The mission of our church. Can we, can we read this together? Ready? To restore lives broken by the consequences of sin to the place where these very same lives bring glory and honor to God. Our, our mission is to restore broken lives. To restore. That's, that's what we're called to do to the place where these same broken lives now give glory and honor to God. What is interesting about this word restore, it comes from the same root word. The etymology of the word restore comes from the same root word that makes up the word restaurant. Anyone like restaurants? Why do you like a restaurant? What do you do in a restaurant? Eat well. Eat well. Anybody else? What do you do in a restaurant? Huh? huh? Be served. Okay. Anybody else? You had your hand up? They clean up for you. Okay. Anybody? This, this side, is this the only side that eats? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Get options and menus. Oh, options and menus. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Spend time with family and friends. Yeah, spend time with family and friends. Nobody goes out with people they hate. <laughs> At least I hope not. Ah. This word, restare, it means not simply to 
restore. It also means to repair. And God is calling us to repair, to refresh lives that have been beaten up, lives that have been hurt, lives have been broken. That's what we're called to do. Not simply the lives out there. And the lives in Central Square where Sister Kia led us to, you know, scream loud enough that they can hear you. But what about, we got to start with the broken lives in here. And we got to, we got to get out of, uh, out of a, what I call a selfish Christianity of I'm broken and nobody's ministering to me. And we got to get in the mentality is even in my brokenness, as the Lord has continued to restore, because we all are crackpots someplace. But even in our brokenness, it is the power of gospel to take our brokenness and use us for the honor and glory of God. One of my favorite scriptures is the, is the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay, that the excellency of the power that may be of God and not, not, and not us. In other words, when Richard does something and I say, oh my goodness, that was incredible, Richard's response should really be, I'm just a crackpot. It's only the power of God that's allowing me to do anything of spiritual consequence. We, we, I say this because as we go into a new year, my fear is that we have gone into what they call in the, in the, in the business world, uh, vision drift or mission drift. The word mission comes from a Latin word, uh, which means to send. We, we have been sent, and, and as we get these new partners, we have been sent to PT and sent to the port area of Cambridge and sent to this city to restore broken lives to the glory of God. And we can... We can turn this place from a restoration center to a party center where we're just having a good time, but there are hurting people in the church and there are hurting people in the city. Evie Hill, um, great preacher uh, in the mid-80s from Los Angeles. I'll never forget when I, I, I was... I was still in my 20s, and he preached a message that has that has stay that will stay with me forever. He he preached a, a message called "The Church That Matters." The Church That Matters. You could probably Google it. It's an amazing sermon. I heard it live. It's amazing. And he said these words: If your church was taken out of the community, suddenly closed up 
would your community miss your church? And that has shook me because if PT closes up and Cambridge doesn't miss us, then we don't matter. We don't matter. When you leave your job and nobody misses you, you don't matter. What does God get out of you being in the job you're in that's different from if a sinner was in that job? Oh, it's quiet. Because if you in the center are acting the same way, talking about the boss the same way, grumbling about your pay the same way, then why put you there? We got to understand that we don't have jobs, we have assignments. And because we know, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good, people misquote that by saying all things work together for good. Oh, no, no. You got to know. Don't skip those three words, and we know. Because you got to, because some things, mm, let me find right here. Some things are good, they just don't look good yet. And if you really look, if you really looked at the word good, the etymology of the word good is God. And we know that all things work together for. Turn your name and say it ain't about you. Your, your problem is that your good is different from God's good. That's why we always have to pray so that we get a revelation of what God is saying even when all hell is breaking out around us. Because God, it, it, it doesn't say all things are good. They are working towards good. The Jerusalem Bible puts it this way. All things are conspired for good, meaning that God works a conspiracy right in front of you and you don't even realize even when I don't see it you're working you never stop never stop working for some of you God is already working on your next job he's, he's creating a company to put you there but he ain't going to put you there if you keep acting up where you are. Because if you're not faithful where you are, why is God going to compound your unfaithfulness? Ooh, Jesus. Turn your name and say, neighbor. What happened to him in Romania? This, this ain't no time to be playing. 
what happened to me in Romania is that God is really depending on the church to be the church. Say what you may say. We know that, you know, what happened to Bill Hybels, and if you don't, well, you know. But he is one guy who I really believe God used to elevate the purpose of the church. Because too many of us are living, too many of us are living outside of community. We're quick to say, Elder Roy, and they continued in prayer. And they continued in the word. And they continued in communion. But they continued in fellowship. Who is your community? When you're, when you're missing for three weeks, a month, who misses you? You may say, nobody misses me. Well, here's a question. Who do you miss? You can't miss anybody if you're not here. Whatever happened to Sister Applesauce? I haven't seen her in a while. Well, you haven't been here in a while, but did you know that Sister Applesauce was struggling and maybe you could have been the one who could minister to her, but you weren't around? I'm not talking about she's not Sister Applesauce. She's <laughs> Kathiana. So just, he says, he says, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I love you, that you also love one another. He says, by this, by this, you will know, people know that you are my disciples. Not by how many scriptures you can quote. Not by how you worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Not even by your witness of Jesus. We know you're a disciple of Jesus by your love one, not four, two. I am preaching better than you're responding. But I get it. You're listening. You're listening. See, see, this is the difference between love four and love two. Okay? My brother Richard has a cold. And he's sniffling like crazy. His nose is running. And I say, hey, bro, I have, a, I have some tissues for you. I have some tissues for you. That's love four. But love two is I'm sitting there and I notice my brother is sniffling. I notice my brother, he's, his, his nose is running. So I take, I go over and I grab a box of tissues and I go towards him and I said, here you go, brother. When's the last time you went to somebody who was hurting, who was broken? Mm. God is going to give us a new revelation of who he is, and he is love. Oh, Jesus. And Darren, my buddy. We don't get to opt out of love. Some of us really think that there are things that are so bad that have happened to us that we get to opt out. 
that we get to say, you know what? Based on what you did for me, I actually get to opt out of loving you. We, we really do. We don't say it, but in our heart, we, we think, we feel like God gives us a mulligan. God gives us like, you know, hey, I understand. No, really, I understand how they hurt you. I understand, and you get to opt out. No, no, I mean, hey, no. Um, I got beaten all night, you know, whipped, uh, nails in my hand. Uh, let me see, let me look at your hands. Oh, no nails, okay. Um, um, but no, no, you get to opt out. Final thing. Oh, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We stop there, but then it says, God came not into the world to condemn the world. Does that, do we? The Lord told me one time, and no, I was running my mouth. I'll talk about me that way. You don't get upset. I was running my mouth, and God reminded me, Elder Reed, he said, do you realize that, I'm gonna, that, that, that you're going to have to give an account for every word that has come out of your mouth? You're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be on the ultimate online banking. Now you check your account all the time, see how much money you have so that, you know, check don't bounce or whatever you, you know, forward, I mean, you don't even write checks anymore. Uh, we're going to have to give an account. We, we need to, we need to check our mouth account as often as we check our bank account. I'm talking to me. I know you all have always singing praise the Lord and hallelujah and you got words of affirmation for each other. Final point. Paul says, just in case you don't know what love is, let me tell you what love is. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, 5, and 7. Love is patient. Mm. Love is patient. Man, goodness. Stop right there. Just some of you, the way you drove to church, you're already, you're already knocked out. You're already knocked out. Lord have mercy. You're yelling at somebody for being a Sunday driver, and they're like, it's Sunday. <laughs> Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love, oh, my God. Love is not rude. Oh, Lord. Rude, the things we say to each other, things we say to our spouses. Rude. Love does not demand its own way. I just talk. This is my seat. So first time guest comes to our church and they're sitting in the seat first and you're looking over them like <laughs> excuse me 
Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Come here, come here, C come here, come here. You see this nameplate? That was my great, great, great. We pay for this seat. You better, you better step back, woman. Sit in my seat. And who are you? you oh, you're her husband. <laughs> Love does not demand its own way. Love, forgive me, Lord. Love is not irritable. Love does not keep records of when it's been wronged. Why don't you talk to such and such? Because last year, ooh. up. Love never loses faith because love works by faith. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 love is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Lord help Pentecostal Tabernacle to get a new revelation of what it means not 